0: Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,
3: All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. (laughs) Put your hands up, man! This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles.
4: Apostles. The Pac-12. Where does it stand right now? Big changes in the landscape of college football right now in recruiting, in divisions, coaches. Where is the conference right now? And speaking of divisions, the Pac-12 has eliminated the North and South divisions. How this will impact who plays in the conference championship game and uh, things going forward. Now, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban just got in a big girl fight (laughs) uh, about recruiting inducements. Who's being hypocritical? What's the truth about that? The NCAA just changed the scholarship limit for the next two years. So you can sign more than 25 players just as long as you stay below the 85 scholarship limit and the unintended consequences that they don't give a damn about. And of course, the transfer portal is bearing fruit and taken away from the Pac 12. And how is the Pac 12 doing in recruiting? I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. So, Ralph, as we stand May 19th, 2022, in the year of our Lord, uh, the Pac-12 is in an interesting spot because you have USC, who's doing everything it can to come up. You have UCLA, who has retained Chip Kelly. They seem to be moving in the right direction direction even though maybe recruiting has not gone to the upper tier level dan lanning looks to be doing a good job over at oregon um like it seems like i guess is the is the conference getting more top heavy is the question with like other conferences
3: it's hard it's hard to tell because so many more ships need to fall um I just I'm I'm looking forward to these teams getting back on the field because there's just so much change with recruits coming in, with the transfer portal, with the um, the new coaches uh, that are in place. I just really like to to get a look at, at <laughs> what some of these teams are going to look like um, because it you know I I want to say that um, you know teams are doing uh, well and moving in the right direction, but you know there have been teams that we thought that about um we found out that that wasn't necessarily the case like the the jimmy lake era um in in washington which was fully endorsed by by chris peterson and you know and and they can still at this point tout that they've had the most draft picks in the whole pac 12 since 2018 like some things are are going well um for washington but we know for a fact based on what went on on the field that that it it was not actually um, trending in, in the right direction. We talked a lot last year about um, you know th- this being the year that that was going to be the reloading year for for Utah, which is going to give a lot of other people the the opportunity um, to assert themselves in the South. And Utah ended up uh, getting their shit together mid season and blowing everybody away. And so you know I- until we actually see these guys on 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 the Field it, it it really like the teams that are trending up, um, like uh, University of Arizona. M- maybe they are not, you know, when when it comes down to actually getting between the lines. And you know, it, it, the the biggest mystery to me right now is USC because they lost talent, they added talent, they changed everything about the coaching staff. And um, is it enough turnover to get rid of the culture that they were steeped in? And is it enough talent to compete? right away i just I'm, i have so many questions uh going going into um this upcoming season that it just it, it just needs to to play out i feel less sure of things than i ever have
4: yeah oh oh it, it, it is a it's a very interesting time in the landscape right because when it comes to recruiting right USC has clearly had an uptick in their recruiting in the skill positions. They have gotten more five stars in the last two years than they've gotten in probably the last three or four combined. Uh, But they still don't have linemen on on either end, on the defensive lineman or offensive lineman. They're building a seven on 17. You have Washington, who you believe is going to be well coached with. De- DeBoer, but they are like a three star haven right now. And that and it's not that you can't win with three star prospects. It's just if you want to be able to, you know, win at the elite level, if you want to be a national championship contender, you can't be doing that. It it's, It just doesn't work because eventually you run out of talent. Look at Cincinnati. As many players as they had drafted, they have, what would have like eight players drafted in the NFL draft, six, right. six or eight players drafted. That still wasn't enough to stay on the field with Alabama. Wasn't even close. So with that being said, how do you expect, you know, anything to be d- different or you to be able to compete for national championships if you can't, secure that elite talent and the PAC 12 has to find a way to keep that talent in, in the conference. But the biggest problem has been is that you've had Arizona state initially say that we're not going to participate in this NIL thing. We're going to work on the NFL model. Same thing with Washington at first. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh wait, hold on. We can't compete in recruiting right now. And some people are calling it unfair and no, but everybody has the opportunity. I mean, are there any shortage of multimillionaires at, at Stanford, at U.S., at UCLA, at, at Washington, at Arizona State? At Arizona? Are, are there any shortage? Is there a shortage of money at any of those places?
3: No. And you got places like Colorado where people went out there and got a head start economically on you know on on uh, cash crops like cannabis so you know that there there are moneyed people everywhere all over the pac 12 i mean if you don't think they have money in salt lake then you're not watching real housewives (laughs) everybody everybody it seems um even even corvallis has got a couple of billionaires attached to um uh, the I think the like the founder of U-Haul or something like that is a is a beef. So um, you know there's there's money everywhere. Maybe not uh, maybe not in Pullman, but like there is money to be found all over the place to make sure uh, that you're able to put together some type of um, at least collective. And I, the ASU Ray Anderson saying that they're not going to get caught up in the arms race of NIL was really confusing to me because that's like, you know, that's like a restaurant saying we're not going to advertise. Uh, we're just going to focus on feeding people lunch. <laughs> yeah. But like, well, how well, are you going to feed people lunch if they don't know if where to go to get that lunch? And so the, one of the dumber things on a long list of very dumb things that Ray Anderson has espoused um, regarding the football program over the last couple of years. And um, and and now I think they've kind of backpedaled on that and and they've uh, started to try to course correct, but it might be too little too late. Um, they were hoping to put together money packages to save some of the people that were transferring out of the program, like Ricky Pearsall and Jermaine Lole, But, you know, I, well, I, I don't think either one of those guys well, is coming pro- back.
4: Well, the problem is, is that people – I I think the fans have now demonized the the players in the situation. But but how can you demonize the players in the situation when when nobody criticizes an employee for choosing Apple over Google because the the salary is higher and the bennies are better?
3: yeah I don't I don't think I have not seen a lot of people blaming the players or calling them greedy or I have, I've not seen any of that. What I've seen people say is they don't want to participate in this. like they don't want to watch anymore. they don't want to be a fan and that's fine. like you're well within your right to choose different forms of of entertainment and how it, you spend it, it your, sounds your
4: weekend. good. it sounds real good until games start on Saturday. It it sounds real good because I, I think that there are people that are turned off by the movement and all of that by by players. But if you are a real college football fan, if you love college football. Like it's like if you love the NFL. Or you love the NBA, you can your team that you root for can do something that turns you off and it makes you switch teams. Right. I changed from the Chicago Bulls to to the Lakers after the way that they did. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. I didn't want to be aligned with them anymore. And I was a young kid. So,
3: yeah, but you didn't go to Chicago Bulls University.
4: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is that is that is that then? But if you are a true college football fan, you don't just love your team. You actually love college football. So you are going to still love college football if you are one of the P1 fans. Like you don't just turn away from college football. That that that's not the way it works. And you can dislike the system because it feels uncomfortable. But after like whenever change happens. It's always messy. It is uncomfortable. It makes people feel weird because they don't like it. But after but and then initially, like things go awry, but the market will correct itself. Like how many times are boosters going to be willing to give out or these collectives give out this amount of money? Two players, which doesn't allow other teams to necessarily be competitive. If if you're Texas A&M, how many times are you going to be able to pay the entire class this amount of money when some of these kids are going to transfer out because they got so many kids in? They're all not going to be able to see the field. So some of them are going to want out. Some of the kids are not going to uh, live up to expectations. So how many times is this going to happen? I think the I think the answer is a lot fewer than people think.
3: I see. Uh, Here is the difference for me. Th- a lot of the stuff that, a lot of the stuff that people uh, cling to their collegiate allegiances, um, for it all comes down to like the hope that every once in a great while, if you're a Georgia tech fan or a Colorado state fan or a Cincinnati fan, that everything will come together for a good season. And then in, in rare cases, a great season. Right. Yeah. And I think that the current system, though it has many flaws and a lot of things that I would like to see changed. It, it creates the opportunity for, a team to put together something over the course of three or four years that ends up being special that everybody then has the ability to cash in on, whether it's people's draft stock going up or assistant coaches getting better jobs or head coaches moving on, um, to bigger contracts. But the incentive was always there to build toward that thing. One of the things about the NIL, uh, and transfer portal era is if, if you are like me, um, somebody whose mother and couple uncles went to University of Wyoming and so you you have retained that and, and you know I've been a University of Wyoming fan my entire life the idea that they could put together a decent team over three four years is one of the things that keeps me coming back. But if I'm watching a game early in the season when they schedule a money game against like Tennessee or something, to get blown out, but to have some cash on hand and a guy like defensive end, Solomon bird gets two or three sacks. The thing that's going through my head now is I wonder what team he's going to be playing for next year. Mm. And that's not fun. Like, and by the way, Solomon bird, congratulations on your commitment to USC. So like it's, it's, it's just one of those things where, where there's a downside to every good thing. Right, And it's an immediate downside. You can have players leave in the middle of the season to cash in on the idea that they blew up at one school. And I believe that will happen. And so when people said that they were done with college football because of players having a voice on social issues, I did not believe them because ultimately I believed that the love of college football and the excitement of game day and the community fostered by college football would be the thing that brought people back when people complained about coaching movement and coaching salaries and, and, and yada, yada, yada. And they said they weren't, you know, uh, going to watch college football anymore. I, I did not believe them when people yeah. are saying now that they're surrendering their season tickets after 30, 35 years that it's too much to keep up with that. They, that not only are, are they uh, confused by who is coming and going on the roster, um, but that they also are having a hard time following along because they got used to recruiting being primarily from high school. And now they don't really know What's going on, and the the, yeah. the season going in is kind of a mystery. Like, I actually believe people when they say that oh, these are, I, are are reasons, especially in the Pac-12 when you have so many other entertainment options. I actually see, believe-, I believe
4: their frustration. No, no, no. I believe their frust- their 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 frustration. But some Pac-12 fans, I think that that is the issue. Is that we don't have enough P1 fans that we don't have enough people who this is their religion as well. And 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 that that's the difference and that that's one of the things that when I've been around recruits now I've been around everybody from Nico Iamaleva, Jaden R- 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 Rashada, uh some of the top wide receivers and DBs in 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 the country. Five star prospects, high four star prospects. They're all talking about the same thing, is that when they go on their visits, right, when they when they take unofficials, when they go to games, they love the game day experiences and the game day they and in the Pac-12, they've loved the game day experiences at Oregon. They've loved them at Utah. They have loved them at Washington previously and that's about it at the Pac-12. And we need to increase the game day experiences. Like the the sheer, like um, like where where fans keep talking about uh, put a good product on the field and we'll show up, right? Like that's actually counterintuitive because fans should actually be cheering when you're the, the loudest and the most when your team is bad. That's because not it, how it's ever worked, though. I, it's I, not gonna I,
3: start working that way. I know, way.
4: but I'm I'm just saying that shouldn't that be how it should be?
3: Is yeah, that- but this is like the beginning of Jerry Maguire, when it's like less clients, more personability, and then all of a sudden he's sitting at the table with Jay Moore getting fired. Like that that's a nice pie in the sky thing. But like here is yeah, I'll I'll just give you uh um since you brought up Jaden Rashada, I'll just give you a point of frustration here. Um in the era before NIL, and I'm not saying this is good. Okay, so I want to be really, really clear on that before anybody's like you're you're against kids getting paid. Absolutely not. I've been I've been the one banging the table for it, right? For the, yep. the longest. You too. So you have a kid like Jaden Rashada who a couple years ago goes out, gives a bunch of interviews saying that like, hey, loyalty is really important to me. My dad went to Arizona State. When the dust settles, they're going to be one of my top schools because of that relationship. And here we are in the NIL era where he's going all over the country, trying to figure out like what the best situation for him is going to be. And Arizona state doesn't even make his top seven because they're not competitive in the NIL landscape. That's a, that's a thing that Arizona state fans. I don't care whether you think it's good or not. Arizona state fans look at that and they're like, why would I follow this? Why would I care about this? Okay.
4: See, but I I agree that some of it is nil, right? But but for Arizona State specifically, I mean, if 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 you had used that uh, that example with like, you know, with another school that's not in absolute turmoil and upside down r- right now, I think it would be a little better if uh, that makes sense. Because Arizona State is potentially going at allegations. I mean, having allegations, they may be going on probation. I, I think that there's so much more that goes into the situation with Arizona State, how kids look at them in recruiting than anything else, if that makes sense.
3: Oh, no, no, it, it totally makes sense. It, I mean, It would be like, but
4: (laughs) but they still would not. Even without all of that, I'm not sure if they would have made the top seven when if they're not participating in the NIL game. Because if you are a, I I mean, just realistically, if you are a kid and you have ten schools that are willing to pay you a million dollars or more per per year, right? And your dad, the kid, the school you've been a fan of your entire life, wants to give you zero dollars, and the other schools are also better than them at the same time, right? Are you even gonna seriously consider the other school?
3: No, but if you are a fan of that school and you watch that happen, what incentive do you go ha- do you have to go sit in the stands and be louder? because your team is in turmoil. So you should go there and cheer even harder. Okay.
4: Or cheer harder by creating a collective like these other schools have done and donate money to it, donate millions to it. I think that that is an additional answer. I mean, because that's what these other schools have done. The money's not coming out of the university. The money's coming from donors who've put together charity, fake ass charities or collectives and are, you know, giving kids money to go to certain certain schools. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup
3: in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
5: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court, and what's next. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: And I have, and that leads us to the Jimbo Fisher and uh, Nick Saban argument. So here is what Nick Saban said. Yesterday, in you know, in his little fireside chat, and then we'll play right after what happened with Jimbo Fisher in his press conference today. Okay, so Ralph uh, Nick Saban basically said that that Texas A and M paid for their entire recruiting class, that Jackson State got a kid, uh, Travis Hunter, for a million dollars plus. And did you see that as him, as him being critical of it or him saying, or was this him begging his own donors to to, to do more because they had the number two recruiting
3: class? Uh, here's how I took it and it's possible that I'm reading more into this than needs needs to be read into. I didn't look at it as Nick Saban being whiny. I I saw, I saw this as another in a series of warning shots that he's fired off. He might've been irresponsible with, with some of the information that he shared um, in, in that meeting to those people. However, what he's trying but to it's say is knowledge.
4: Like he didn't say anything that other the other people well, didn't know.
3: Dion Sanders is denying it. Jimbo Fisher is denying it. So, like the public knowledge part of it is debated. Like what? Well, the school doesn't pay them. So, like yeah, they're going to be like, yeah, we didn't pay.
4: No, he got a deal, a legitimate right. deal from Barstool. Tra- There's nothing Travis, wrong or illegal. Bar-
3: Barstool has Barstool has denied that any money changed hands. Travis Hunter just came out today and said, if I have a million dollars, why is my Mom's still hanging out with five kids in a three bedroom house. Like, uh, Deion Sanders said, I don't even get paid a million dollars. Like, so, so Travis Hunter has been pretty forceful in, in his denial of, of what Nick Saban is saying here. I think it's common knowledge to everybody involved that 20 plus million dollars changed hands through the formation of a collective in order for Texas A&M to secure the class that they put together and guys, guys that were deciding between Alabama and Texas A&M, like Anthony Lucas, that was, you know, that's one of the things that's probably um, put a spur in Nick Saban's boot. But I didn't look at this as Nick Saban complaining about Lane Kiffin, complaining about Jimbo Fisher, complaining about Deion Sanders. I looked at Nick Saban saying, Hey, if those guys are doing those things, what they don't understand is if if I do it, it's over. If I have the ability to take the same advantage of what they're doing, instead of saying, all right, my kids are now opened up to market themselves, figure out what market value is for their goods and services, and he said his players went out and collected over $3 million last year, marketing themselves based on their place at 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 Alabama. But he said if we have the ability to go 1 million dollars per kid, do you think I'm not going to recruit better than Jimbo Fisher? Do you think I'm not going to get these kids that 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 Dion gets if we're not if we're playing this game too, do you think I'm not going to win?
4: Okay. So so and that's so, the thing that people got upset about is that is that Jimbo, he got to grandstanding because I didn't understand Jimbo's like fervent anger about it
3: that um that i think for jimbo you just got to put your foot down somewhere right so he gets to go out there and say we didn't cheat you he's a cheater look into him his dad should have slapped him but there
4: him. wasn't cheating like even if
3: this is what they did it wasn't cheating it's within right. the rules right so but what jimbo's saying understand. is jimbo wants to say that if you want to imply that what we did which was by the rules if you want to imply that that was dirty why doesn't someone go look into your time at Michigan State, why doesn't somebody go look into your time at LSU? Why doesn't and and the weirdest thing that Jimbo Fisher is saying is, I know that Nick Saban cheated because I worked for him, but I've never cheated in my life, buddy. If you worked oh, for Nick Saban while he was cheating, then you cheated. Correct, dude. That,
4: that's the thing is that I don't understand his his like arrogance to be to to act like that because I do understand him being. Actually, I don't even understand him be, with him being frustrated with Nick with what Nick Saban said. Because if I were if I were him, I'd be like, "All right, cool. Then uh, you should have recruited better, buddy. You should have recruited better."
3: Oh man, I-,
4: I mean, what 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 else? Uh, there. Uh, he didn't break they didn't break any rules. This is the NCAA's fault with how they handled this entire situation. That this is and and I actually like the fact that these collectives are playing within they're playing in the gray area. They're playing within the rules. If the NCAA Which which the NCAA has
3: like, already come out and tried to address to say that if they can prove that anybody's been in contact oh, with anyone, Oh, shut up. They're not they, gonna
4: what, do anything anyway. It,
3: what they're it, asking it, 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 for, they're years. asking they're asking for snitches. Because that's Who's the only snitch? way the NCAA who the
4: uh, hell is going to snitch. I mean, really, really think about that. Like it's gotta be somebody who because if you are a fan of the schools. And you are part of these collectives, right? And you have yeah. donated money. Are you gonna snitch and mess up your your own team's situation, e- even if a kid left and kind of burned you? No.
3: Uh, but who, if, if you're an assistant coach care. at a school, if you're an assistant coach at a school and you're texting back and forth with one of your players or their parents trying to ask them why they're about to jump in the portal, kind of the way that everyone knew that Jordan Addison was about to jump in the portal when he was at Pitt, right? Because a big a big part of this is the Pac-12 all freaking out about what USC is doing because the collective belief around the Pac-12 is that USC is actively recruiting players that are under scholarship elsewhere through okay. through third-party Um, Yes. Like go between type thing, which, which, by the way, that is is
4: happening. happening. That is absolutely happening. But the thing is, is that is that if okay, if 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 my son has a relationship with a kid at another school. Right. Yeah. And uh, which in 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 high school, even now. And he says, and his friends like, man, I don't like it over here. Stuff's not great. I want to win. We're we're losing. And my and my son says, yo, why don't you see about coming over here? I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, ask my coach what well, what he thinks about you. And he goes to go ask the coach. He's like, bruh, I mean, shit. If, if 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 he wants to move, I mean, I'm not gonna ask him to move or anything. But but if he wants to move, if if he wants to come apply to our school, cool. And and then and my and my son goes back to the kid and says, yo, yo, he said, if you want to apply, you know, then he can have a conversation with, with you. So now and then you have that. And, and then the kid talks to another kid at modern day and St. John Bosco. He's like, OK, cool. I'm gonna go talk to all these schools. Like, how is that? I mean, these are just relationships.
3: Yeah, I, I guess. So here, here's been my experience so far. Multiple parents, not players, not coaches, multiple parents of Pac-12 players have reached out to me over the course of the last few months to say, hey, do you have such and such as number? Hey, do you have a way to back channel? My kid's not getting playing time. My kid's looking for other options. Can you put out a feeler? Can you reach out to this person? I don't want to do it directly. Can you see if this school has scholarship space so that if we decide to jump into the portal, that would be one of our primary destinations? Yes. So the facilitators in this instance, I've not had a coach reach out to me. I've yeah. not had. Uh, I've not had a, a staffer reach out to me. I've had multiple. Pack twelve parents reach out to me and say, "Hey, what are things looking like at such and such school? Hey, do you still have a relationship with such and such assistant? If we were in the portal, would there potentially be interest from their end because there's interest from our end?" Yep. And when I'm in that situation, I say, "I'll make a call." Of course. And if we people think that I'm if do. people think that I'm facilitating cheating, like I I genuinely do not give a shit especially because it was not it was not orchestrated by any school it's by the parent yep which is what i would do for my kid
4: it is like it is it is like oh you you stole my such a no dude they chose to leave they they actually actively sought to leave you hear I me mean? right like like
3: right they like, actively, so they they were leaving like they were, anyway
4: Yes, and they they were just looking. Like, like I didn't call them up. I didn't say, "Oh yeah, hey yo, hey yo, you can you can come over here if you want." No, they were out, dude. It it is like drugs. I say this about drugs all the time because people they are so mad at drug dealers, and and I get it. It is, and I'm one hundred percent under understand it, but. This is like personal responsibility people being solely mad at drug dealers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like well, where they're where they're like, it's the drug dealers, they need to be put in jail. Well, the prop drugs don't sell them. I'm sorry, drugs, drug dealers don't sell drugs. There are not billboards. There are not like if you want crack, you have to actively seek it out. It doesn't just show up at your front door. If you want heroin, it doesn't just. Actively show up. You have to go
3: find it. You hear me? Right. It's not people standing in the aisles of Costco giving you free samples of of uh, of cheddar biscuits.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, and and that's the same way with this recruiting thing. When kids want to leave, they are actively searching. I've been in a situation where where we were considering transferring high schools. And do you know how a couple uh, is that? It was interest on my end that actually drove more interest from the coaches initially. And then as soon as I was like, nope, we're good. Then then now I'm at a seven on seven tournament this last weekend. I have a a a booster, if you will, from another school and another coach saying, hey, yo, if you're not happy over there, let let us know Full, full scholarship here. This, this, this. I'm like, nah, nah, man. We're good. It, it, it's, it is just like, yes, there are people who will come try to see about you, but it's the majority of time the parents or yeah. the handlers or anybody else reaching out about that.
3: Because it, you, you have a limited time to achieve what it is that you're trying to achieve. Correct. And the unfortunate thing is uh, because I, I, I can – easily admit that it's not the best thing in the world for everybody to always be looking elsewhere but the college coaching profession is one of the dirtiest least above board least honest most structurally encouraging of a lack of integrity of any industry I've ever seen the contract for assistant coaches are very short right yeah They are incentivized to be mega yes-men to inflated ego, super millionaire control freaks. And they have a limited amount of time, the same way that the players do, to impress those coaches. Okay, So assistant football coaches, and I don't think I'm telling anybody anything they don't know. And if you want to argue with me on this, I'll give you 20 very specific examples of things that happened just this last year. Right. But assistant coaches are coaching for their jobs. So they have to be there 15 minutes early. Yeah. All these offensive analysts, like they're the people that are out there setting up cones and breaking down practice and putting together practice. Um, They all, you know, a coach will ask them what they're up to. And they're like, Oh, I'm just working on this game plan thing for uh, an opponent. That's 10 weeks from now. um, Just grinding, going over film, you know, (laughs) uh, your, your, Your um, ability to have connections with recruits is what makes you valuable. So you have to play that game of like selling yourself to these kids, even though you know you're not going to be there. So you got to lie to them to get their attention so that you not only have value to the staff that you're on, but the potential future staff that you might be on. Because any recruits name that is attached to yours is money in your pocket. Right? The incentive structure for assistant coaches created a situation in which there is no loyalty, there is no honesty, and there is no integrity. Those things already don't exist within the structure of college football. A good coach, a truly good coach, can make the most of any ingredients they are given. Just like a good chef, you give them ingredients and they can maximize the combination and the flavor of those ingredients to make you the best possible meal. The insecure chef looks at those ingredients and says, if I don't have good ingredients, I'm not a good chef. Yep. 90% of college football coaches are the insecure chef. And so you will have a coach hired into a situation with elite level athletes 80 elite level athletes in a program and they will take one look at those athletes and be like, I can't cook with this. They were losers last year. How am I supposed to make them better? Let me look in the portal. Let me bring these kids in my office and tell them that there's probably not a home for them here and I'll help them go look elsewhere. Let me force 10 to 15 kids into the portal so that I have room to look elsewhere. That's the way that the actual coaching profession works. Is people trying to get in their guys and there's no integrity in it. It's disgusting. And the idea that we blame the kids for like being forced to play along with it has always been a point of frustration for me. But what we learned about fans is they don't care if coaches are playing that game. They do care if the kids are playing that game. And so while it might not be fair for college football fandom to be hanging in the balance of the new rules that are in place that allow kids to benefit, it is. It is because for some reason, people's reaction to kids looking for a better situation for themselves makes people more upset than when coaches do it or when kids are forced into that situation, because the the transfer portal is a nasty place. And I got to tell you, 30% of the kids in there are not there willingly. They were pushed in.
4: Yep. Yeah, and, and now that brings up the next aspect of this and how it's going it, to impact Pac-12 teams is the scholarship limits. So the NCAA came out with a new rule that it allows teams to get to 85 scholarships finally uh, by two years of being able to sign classes bigger than 25 kids. Now... I think that this is going to end up lasting longer, but one of the unintended consequences is that there are rules within the NCAA's bylaws that allow when a new coach like Lincoln Riley goes to USC, he can actually purge some of the roster. He can go to the roster and say, all right, cool. I'm essentially going to cut these kids from the football team, not from, uh not from financial support so they they still keep their scholarship essentially still keep their stipend for housing all of that but they are no longer football players and count toward that scholarship limit mm-hmm. so now it's going to allow teams of players of new coaches because everybody's like why is USC signing so many more DBs and wideouts because they're cutting kids yep And and the kid has a choice. Either I'm going to hop in the portal because I still want to play college football or I'm just going to go be a regular student and keep and keep my scholarship.
3: Right. Which we which we had a bunch of offensive linemen at UCLA do that when Chip Kelly came in with a with an axe and he was cutting dudes left and right. You had a freshman linebacker at Arizona State who had been committed to Arizona State since he was fourteen stay and finish nursing school. Like it's it that that's becoming a thing of where people are people are put in a position where, you know, am I gonna go to the portal and have an uncertain future? Or am I gonna have my school completely paid for and be on scholarship while I'm here, but have no access to football?
4: Yeah. Yep. So but and, and and so people don't realize that in that that now kids are going to get pushed out. So if you are a, a kid, what do you, what are you going to do? I, I'm, I'm what, well, well, actually, if you are a fan, are you upset with this? Is the, is the question.
3: Uh, I think that the average fan is thinking about what benefits them, just like the average college football coach and program is thinking about what benefits them. Just like the average kid is thinking about what benefits them. So it really depends on the situation. So if you are, um what what's the school that's kind of up against the scholarship limit? Um we had we had heard about a Pac-12 school that was like over 85 and we're having to um mm. so like I, if you're if you're if you're that school, if you're in a situation where um where in order to uh improve your talent, you have to go out and you have to move a bunch of people around, that could come back to haunt you because if you piss off the right high school coach or whatever, you know, that stuff can spill out onto social media and create image issues. Um, but like, let's say that you're Arizona state and you're, you're bordering 70 scholarships and on the verge of possibly losing even more due to sanctions. The idea that you can rebound from your situation even quicker by replenishing as fast as possible, um, is attractive, right? And so, what I'm interested in is all of these contributing walk ons that have been told by their college coaches, Hey, we'd love to put you on scholarship, we just don't have room for it. But, like, it's a school like Stanford that operates at 75 scholarships on the regular, yep, and now. And now the NCAA saying, well, we're not going to limit it to 25. So if you want to go ahead and bump it up to 85, you can. I'm interested to see what happens when those walk-ons look that coach in the eye that told them they didn't have room because they were lying about not having room. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That, you know, the, the truth is definitely going to get told. Um, But I, 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 I really hate that the NCAA does things to, um, retroactively try to make up for um, certain issues like the transfer portal or the non-eligibility covid year or things like that when they have the ability to possibly have some foresight like i've always thought that the 25 scholarship limit especially with the introduction of the transfer portal that you should have given some respect to the idea that like okay well you know it Your your primary source of talent is going to come from the high school level. So you need to lock in 15 of those scholarships and guarantee that that's the direction that they go in. And then let's say that you can get seven from the portal. Right. Okay. And then three have to come from junior college because that's the only way you're going to save junior college football, which is on the decline every single year. There's there's 20, 25 less junior college football programs right now than there were five years ago. So the NCAA could have structured the scholarship uh, um, limit to uh, to ensure the health of yeah. high school football to ensure the future of college football, to help prop up uh, junior college. They could have done those things, but they don't. They don't. And it's just it's an embarrassment. And, I, you know, Mark, Mark Emmert. Uh, is, is going off into the sunset with a ha- having had a truly useless tenure. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think that he, you got to anytime his name is mentioned for the rest of eternity, he might be sleeping on a, on, on a $20,000 mattress. So he might be able to lay his head down comfortably at night. But I don't think that anybody who's a fan of college football should ever mention his name without attaching the man who helped ruin this sport. Yep. Yep, One, 100%. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
4: we look at these scholarship limits and, and, and all of this stuff, who do you think is going to be the biggest beneficiary beneficiaries of this? I mean, because it, I, I, obviously like we just talked about schools with new coaches are going to benefit greatly from this first thing because yeah. they're able to cut players and kind of purge their roster and get to 85 scholarships. Um,
3: I think the one of the biggest benefits will be kids that are suffocating in the portal. Yes. Um, because there'll be a little bit of extra room for some of those kids that are trapped in there to get out. Correct. I think high school, uh, as with many of the decisions made by the NCAA high school football players will suffer. Um, as far as programs, everything always benefits the best resource programs. And so, USC is one of the best resource programs and they have been severely underperforming. This gives them the opportunity to, to um, progress to the mean of who they are as a program. Um, I don't think Oregon really has these types of issues right now. um, But it really just depends on what resources you have behind you moving forward. And I think that everything points to, um, for the first time in a long time, uh, all all things being sunshine and roses for the University of Southern California.
4: Well, I mean, they, I, I think that they are going to be greatly benefited, that USC is clearly the beneficiary of a lot of people willing to put their money where their mouth is to make USC a really good program again, right? But I think that we're also seeing... USC and Oregon because Colin Coward hinted at a major shift for USC coming up very soon in the next 18 months. And I don't think that that's exclusive to to them. I think that you may see that from Oregon, from some other schools that you may see some movement in the Pac-12. Or some sort of media agreement that is different than the rest of the the conference. So I think that there are opportunities for other schools to capitalize on those things. Now, I also believe that if a school like Utah got in on NIL a little bit, right, that they would be hugely benefited from it. But I I think that you're going to have some schools win in the short run, but after the market corrects itself, because these are the people who are giving the money are successful business people were successful at their jobs. Very yeah. successful to be able to give hundreds of thousands of dollars or fifties of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to be able to help out in recruiting and and you know with the inducements and all of this stuff. So they are going to figure out a structure that makes sense for them and because they're not used to throwing good good money after bad. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, for sure. And you're we're we're definitely pretty close to the first time that a booster sues a an athlete. That's oh, coming. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. that, that's, that's absolutely coming.
4: One one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And but now we're in a case of with the with the Pac-12. Oh, I, I, I want to shift because we totally kind of skipped over the Pac-12 with the divisions. Right. Right. So now the divisions are changing in the Pac-12. There are, instead of the six North teams, six South teams, they now for for 2022 going forward, so this upcoming season, they have scrapped the divisions, but they're keeping the schedule as it is. So, the, so you know, Oregon's still going to play all the North teams. They're going to play the other five North teams, and then they're going to play four South teams. And the and instead of the winner of the North playing the winner of the South in the Pac-12 championship, now it is going to be the two teams with the highest winning percentage. Now, if you go back to the, you know, since 2011, right, how this would have impact the the impacted the conference championship game in 2011, it was number nine, Oregon versus UCLA. It would have been number four, Stanford versus number nine, Oregon. Number in 2012, it would have been number eight, Stanford. Oh, it was number eight, Stanford versus number 16, UCLA. It would have been number five, Oregon versus number eight, Stanford number in 2013. Uh, it wouldn't have changed with Stanford and Arizona state. Number 14. It wouldn't have changed with Oregon and Arizona 15, instead of it being Stanford versus USC, it would have been Stanford versus Oregon. In 2016, Washington, Colorado wouldn't have changed. 17, USC, Stanford wouldn't have changed. Uh, 2018, it wouldn't have been Washington versus Utah. It would have been Washington versus Washington State. And in 19, it wouldn't have changed, Utah versus Oregon. 2020, instead of it being USC, actually, I'm going to throw you, that, that one out because everybody didn't play the same amount of games because it would have right. been USC versus Washington but under the new system it would have been USC versus Colorado but then how do we know if Washington would have beaten Oregon like there's so I'm throwing 2020 out and then last year Oregon versus Utah there wouldn't have been a change either so so half the year so so since 2011 so that's one two three four five six seven eight nine 10 years because we're throwing out 2020 there was no change in one two three four five six of those years so it's not going to create like a huge seismic shift but it's going to get interesting for the scheduling because there's not going to be another you know like a north south scheduling scheduling so, how do you? So, I think it's going to be important to keep some of the rivalries, right? Like, obviously, the Apple Cup has to stay. Oregon versus Oregon State has to stay. Does Oregon Washington have to stay? Does, you know what I mean? Like, which ones have to stay? And then also, the Pacific Northwest teams all want to play either USC or UCLA in California every year for recruiting purposes. Right. So so th- there's going to be some tricky stuff going on in the in the conference itself as a, as the schedule changes in 2023 w- because it won't be divisional play like because the schedule was already set as is.
3: Yeah, I don't. I, it doesn't bother me. I, I, part of my initial reaction was like, well, as a Pac-12 South fan, this is going to adversely affect at some point the Pac-12 South. But if the Pac-12 South stops even mattering, I just. I would hope that whatever school wins their division. And if they don't end up in the actual Pac-12 championship next year, that they don't hang a Pac-12 conference uh, division banner. That would be really annoying. (laughs) If somebody, if Utah goes eight and five, they don't make the Pac-12 championship. And then you have a 2022 Pac-12 South champions banner (laughs) flying out in Salt Lake I would just hope something like that doesn't happen. But I, um, this doesn't bother me any. I don't think the divisions are are, are necessary anyway. Um, as long as you get the two best teams. Now, I do think one weird caveat is it's the two teams with the highest winning percentage and not the two teams that are ranked the highest. Yeah. So if you run into a situation where it's like UCLA is the number 10 team in the country, Um, Colorado is the number 12 team in the country and, and, uh, Oregon's the number nine team in the country. And you would say like, Oh, then Oregon and UCLA should play each other. But based on winning percentages, if it's Oregon and Colorado, like that's not a thing that gives the PAC 12, the best opportunity to, to, to play in the highest level bowl games. And so I would have hoped that that was something that was, that was included and maybe still will be in the future. Um, but I do think that it should be the highest highest ranked teams, and not necessarily the teams with the two, because you you want to put yourself in the position to have the the best opportunity to to play in the biggest bowl games. You want you want to grant your schools as much resources as possible. And I'm not sure that that would ever even come into play. But you just don't want to have something in place where it might, you know.
4: Yep, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, now. Uh, Now, as we're looking at, I guess, the the coming up summer for the Pac-12 schools, we thought that May 1st would signal the end of kind of the transfer portal drama in terms of players hopping in the portal. We, we, we still got to figure out where Jordan Addison goes. We still have to figure out where – did did Lole from Arizona State commit yet?
3: No, he's like visiting Louisville right now or something. Can we talk about Jordan Addison, though, and the fact that the Pac-12 teams all got together and, and, and Ray Anderson gave a speech saying that oh people my need to stay within the rules?
4: Yeah, that, dude, that was the – if I were sitting in that meeting, everybody had to be sitting in that meeting like – are, are, are you serious? Are, are you the one talking to us about that? Mister, we brought recruits on campus violating COVID rules while while nobody else could have people on campus. Y'all did the uh, the uh, you guys had to get rid of a bunch of your coaches for for violating rules and being so flagrant about it. Are, are, are is, is, is that who's who's lecturing us? The guy who also can't win in basketball or in football? Are you lecturing us? How about no, my friend? How about no, pal? I I, I got earmuffs for you.
3: Okay, so then what about the perspective that, like, one of your defensive ends just probably got half a million dollars to go to uh, or one of your linebackers probably just got half a million dollars to go to USC. And there was probably some sort of uh, arrangement prior to the transfer. Do you just not say something? Do you, uh, you Ray really Anderson, Do you stand up and say, I have forfeited get- my right to comment on the fact that USC is purchasing players off of our team.
4: You should have, you should have Uh, gotten, how do I explain? Like if you are them, you you should have had your NIL stuff in place. And guess what? The kid might still be there. Or, or maybe, just, just maybe, you should have had your your shit together with your team. That way it wasn't falling apart at at the seams. So, so yeah. But then they just took a kid from from Florida quarterback from from Florida Emory Jones Emory while Jones, they have yeah. while they have five other scholarship quarterbacks so you're doing a poor ass job if you have four if you have five quarterbacks on scholarship and you my friend don't think that any of them is good enough to be your starter
3: yeah, that's and I problem. that that that's a mess in it of itself. And I've talked to people affiliated with the team that are like, we why would our coaches come out and say after one practice that there's no starting quarterback here that we might have to look elsewhere for a starting quarterback? And also, what quarterback in his right mind would look at a staff and say that staff has openly admitted they don't have the ability to develop the quarterbacks on their roster? I want to go play there. Yep. But um, but Emory Jones got he got himself a truck and up to $75,000 in NIL enticements to come to Arizona state. So they have put a, a, a foot forward in that area, but here's the issue with that. Would the expectation be if only one player on your team at a certain position is getting money, wouldn't the expectation be that that player plays? yep exactly and who says that he's going to he's gonna have to beat out dalen macklemore and finn collins and 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 trenton Bourget and and paul tyson um and and um uh and and meredith like he's gonna have to beat all those guys out i'm assuming unless it's like the um the situation with jaden daniels where the entire idea of the competition is a farce because you have a relationship with that player and with their parent uh where they are helping you um with your illegal recruiting procedures therefore you don't even have the right to bench that player when they om- when they produce your worst passing season since
4: 1991 <laughs> no you
3: are 100 so right. you know what what are they what are they even going to do but but you know, I, I my whole thing is it so so what? He's a hypocrite. You got to say something if that's what you believe. And we've now reached the point where Oklahoma has accused USC of cheating. Uh Pitt has openly accused USC of cheating. Arizona State has openly accused USC of cheating with the support of Colorado and other, and other institutions within the Pac-12. It's interesting to me that everybody can shit on Lincoln Riley and he doesn't have anything to say about it. However, <laughs> Nick Saban mentions Jimbo Fisher's name and he's holding a press conference saying that that Nick Saban <laughs> should have been beat as a kid. Pac-12 Pac-12 teams really just don't have that same level of animosity and beef. But I do also want to bring up that Sua Cravens, former USC player, has come out and he has said that the only schools that did not offer him some type of enticement when he was a recruit, a five-star recruit, were Pac-12 schools because they believe that they're held to a different standard by the NCAA than the SEC. What did you think of those comments? I
4: think that he's clearly right by what happened with USC. But they were kind of flagrant. Like there was some flagrancy going on with the with the Reggie Bush stuff. But but still, like it it shouldn't have been illegal to begin with. First thing. So listen, I'm one hundred.
3: He was saying he was offered ten to twenty thousand dollars to visit, and that all the schools that were offering him money were southeast of That's Texas. It. And these are the schools that he was that he uh, was recruited by at the time. Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, that are out in that region of the country, Florida, uh, Arkansas, and Alabama.
4: All right, dude, dude. That all the ten thousand dollars is for is to cover the uh, airline trips for uh, for unofficials. Like i like,
3: <laughs> you like me. Lloyd Christmas here in case yeah, I want yeah. seconds.
4: Yeah, I need, I need, I need forty thou so I can book the PJ. So come, will will come. Slide me, slide slide me forty thousand. Actually, actually, I need you to slide me fifty. You can you can uh, advertise here on the Pack Twelve Apostles pod, podcast. A- advertise your your business. I'll spend two thirds of it on the private jet for us to fly out uh, on the recruiting trip, and then the rest goes to the podcast. And
3: <laughs> I'm just saying. I just it's amazing that we had teams caught. What's what's incredible so far is that nothing has come out about prepaid Visa debit cards, which is how everybody was doing their dirty business. Shh. shh. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like,
4: like, like, you know, like a hundred thousand uh, dollar gift cards. <laughs> come on. That's why.
3: Yeah, that's why I'm so pissed off at Tennessee for putting actual cash in a McDonald's bag. <laughs> yes, like. <exactly. laughs> Can you just just use the debit cards the same way that everybody else does? Yeah. Well,
4: you guys, that is the Pac-12 Apostles for today. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Always keep up with the show. Peace out.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is